Bangkok, Thailand, a tropical metropolis of over 10 million people. Living in this vibrant city, I've met some pretty incredible people with even more incredible experiences. Now I'm bringing you all the real life stories, scams, triumphs, and temptations. Join me as we take a trip down the rabbit hole and find out what it's really like in one of the world's most famous destinations. What is up, guys, and welcome back to the One Night in Bangkok podcast. If you guys are new here, my name is Eric, and I've been living in Bangkok for five years now. I'm originally from the US, but found myself here and couldn't dream of living anywhere else. Tonight, we have one of my favorite YouTubers from here in Bangkok. We've got Chris Parker from Retired Working For You. You should check out his channel. I'm gonna link it below. And guys, if you are coming to Bangkok, if you are thinking about moving here, hit the subscribe button. We've got so many cool people coming on and I don't want you to miss anything. Chris, I wanna tell you how I first came to know you. Okay. Okay, so it was, uh, I think June, 2020, in the middle of the whole pandemic situation. I'm stuck in Boston. Yep. I'm sitting, I'm miserable. I'm sitting alone in a small apartment eating crappy takeout food. I open up my laptop and this very energetic Canadian pops on my screen. And the thing that struck me about you was you're so positive, especially uh, during that time where I feel like a lot of people were going through a lot of hard things. And I have a feeling that it wasn't just me that latched onto it, but a lot of people in that first those first few months, that first year during the pandemic, um, I think you had a really unique thing. So did I, back in like June of that year, May of that year, is that when you started the whole YouTube thing? That's basically when I started. That's when I started this kind of iteration of it. It started a couple of months before that, right when everything got locked down. But the first two months was just me doing push-ups. That was it. And then in June, I think exactly June, maybe May, uh, on the ferry back to Bangkok, I decided uh, I didn't start the channel to start a channel. I just started the channel to live stream connect with buddies locked in back home in Canada and uh, just do push-ups. The n number of Canadians that had died each day, the next day I'd do that many push-ups and uh, just as a way to connect with buddies back home. And then I kind of got bit by the bug to make videos again. And uh, on the ferry back, going to Bangkok, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to make some videos about Thailand and turn this into a actual channel or at least give it a try. You were so different than everything else online at that time. And I think that combined with everybody stuck at home, dreaming about getting back to Thailand. Because I, I was living here at that time, but I went home and then I got locked out. And like a lot of people, that was like my 30 minutes of, you know, happiness every day, just going online and see, seeing what was happening here. So, I mean, you must have been aware that there were a lot of people like me. At the time, I wasn't really aware of it. You know, I was just out making videos, doing my thing. But over the last few years, I've had so many people 
come up to me and say that they were like you were my lifeline during COVID. i want you to know this you know like i was stuck at home and it didn't really compute because in thailand we weren't stuck that first year it was wide open we had complete freedom if you were here if you were here yeah, but if so i couldn't wrap my head around what the rest of the world was going through you know i i knew obviously but it was hard to really relate to it and so I didn't realize what a kind of escape hatch that was for people out there, you know, locked in apartments and houses uh, all over the place. Yeah. Um, but you said you didn't come here with the intention of doing YouTube. So let's kind of rewind the tape a little. You're from Canada. And what brought you to Thailand? What made you move here? And why did you come here the first time? Was it like a holiday trip or what happened? Yeah, the very, very first time. Wow, 30 years ago this year, it was July 94. I was 22 years old, had just moved to Korea, had just finished uh, school, moved to Korea um, for, for an adventure for the unknown, was sitting around in a bar one night, guy at the end of the bar starts talking about this place called Koh Samui in, in Thailand. And I'd never been to Asia. I was a month into my time in Korea, and it sounded so good that uh, that a week later, uh, me and a buddy just hopped on a plane. Next thing, we we did have one night in Bangkok <laughs> before heading down to Samui in July '94. Uh, that was quite the night. There's a story there for sure. And then down to Samui, fell in love with the place, and kept coming back for 25 straight years, always dreaming the you know one day i'll move there one day i'll move there and then in 2019 just decided you know tick tock like it's time to do it and so we did it now, i think my friends included my family they think it's crazy when people like me decide to move here in 2020 but for you 30 years ago this was before thailand was more mainstream this was before movies like the hangover or uh, that one with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, the beach. Oh, the beach. The beach. Yeah. That was that. The beach was that was one of the reasons I was so uh, intrigued about moving here. There's that opening scene of him on Kaosan Road and staying in the hostel and then going out to the islands. But you were kind of living that for real. Was living that. I remember when the beach, the book came out. I don't know if you ever read no. the book by Alex Garland. You know who he is? No, I didn't know. He's come on to be a big director. You ever see the movie Ex Machina? Yeah, oh, it's one of my favorite movies. He, he wrote and directed that. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And if you if you Google him, he's done a lot of stuff. But the very first th thing he did was write a book called The Beach. And back then, man, that was like the backpacker Bible because he was writing that all about the places we were hanging out, kind of living that wildlife. And so, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a iconic piece it, of writing. And yeah. The book is way better than the movie. Okay. And back then, you know, you must be seeing such amazing things. But it's not like everybody had a smartphone then. So you must be thinking, oh, I wish my friends back home could be seeing this. You know, did you try to tell them some of the stories? And But they just don't get it, right? Well, they don't get it. But I was six months in Asia, flew home, went and met all my old buddies, started regaling them with stories of what goes on over here in the life. And, and this was Korea and Thailand, a bit of both, just Asia in general. And over the next 12 months, one by one, almost every single one of them moved over here wow yeah and i got like five of them 
buddies from when we were 20, like lifelong 30-year buddies uh, living in Thailand now. Yeah, I mean, now it's easy to move here, to be honest. I mean, we have the internet, we have iPhones. It's not such a big sacrifice. But back then, I mean, I think there really was much more of a sacrifice. to. I mean, there were benefits, but you lost you lost out on the ease of communication about you know you can buy things on Lazada now here or Shopee you know they didn't, obviously that wasn't around back then so when you first visited here i mean you weren't living here permanently back then right 30 years no, ago i was living in korea okay but even in korea were there things you had to get used to like you couldn't get some of the things that you you did back home in canada or yeah but that's the reason i came I came to, to, to discover something different, you know, uh, I didn't want to just kind of live a life that was just going down the same road that I've, that I see most people go down and stuff. So, so all of that stuff was stuff that like fueled me, that excited me, all this, all the stuff that was different and weird and wild. And, and as far as the communication goes, like there's good and bad to everything. You know, you mentioned my videos being positive. It's 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 a choice, really. You know, there's right. you got Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. You can choose which side to go on, and and I just think going down the positive side's more fun. And so the communication stuff like that was, I'd say that was a bit of a plus because you felt just more in in the moment, just more like you know that we just come down with Lonely Planet books and uh and follow along and find these beaches and places and huts and things to do speaking of lonely planet you know it's funny i was thinking about this before you came i don't know if things like lonely planet or TripAdvisor are as popular now when researching like new destinations i think you are the new lonely planet is that weird to think about I never, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, I guess like no one's, no one's really picking up a travel guide and reading it anymore, you know? And, and I would imagine you're right. Like very few people are going to blogs even anymore. Like YouTube, YouTube's got it all, all the info, no matter where you are in the world, there's going to be someone posting what to do when you get there. So you said you were living in Korea. Did you go there for work or for school or what? I went there to get a job. I just got a one-way ticket three days a- <clears throat> three days after I graduated university. Ended up getting a one-way ticket to Seoul and didn't know how long I was going to stay. Thought maybe a year and just went there to do what everyone else was doing at the time, teach English and uh, start life and, and see, 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 where, yeah. see where it all leads. Did you find that the Korean people are accepting of foreigners or not so much? Um, back then, not as much as now. There's there's like two sides to Korea, ones that are very accepting and ones that aren't. And parts of society were accepting. Like back then they had a hunger. This was the start of the Korean Renaissance, man, when... Uh, you know, we've all seen what Korea has done in the last 30 years, become a global powerhouse in, in all kinds of industries, including entertainment. And, and this was kind of the start of that movement. And so they were hungry to learn English. So they really uh, they really welcomed you in. And Koreans are pretty welcoming people. But try dating one of their girls. And suddenly back then, in particular, it became very right. unwelcoming. Okay, I guess I wouldn't do too well in Korea then. <laughs> oh, no, no, you, you navigate it. You just won't meet their parents too <laughs> okay. often. First time I met my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife's par- uh, parents, we get, to her, we get to her house. And, you know, 
her father swings the door open, gruff old Korean man, and he looks me up and down, and he's like, you know, sour look on his face. He's like, can I see ID? <laughs> I th- I like he's I th- the bouncer at a club. I thought he was kidding. So I'm laughing at, you know, oh, that's a good one. He goes, show me your ID. And I give him my ID. He looks, he looks at me and he's like, don't you think it's a problem that you're white? Really? Oh yeah. That was my oh. introduction. That was my introduction to I gotta the family. Be honest, if that was my, uh, my introduction to my girl's family, I probably would have taken my ID and said, Thank you very much. And turned around and left. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that was par for the course back then. Like, that's just how it was. So, you know, and, and that quickly turned to everything was fine, you know, you know, but it was a rude, uh, rude awakening to kind of have that be the intro. It was yeah. funny. Yeah. I've never been to Korea, but I'm assuming, I mean, you sound like you travel a lot. So you've been all around Asia at this point. Uh, you might think that, but uh, not really. Like there's still a ton of places I haven't been. Hey, where haven't you been? Never been to Vietnam. Never really? been to Laos, never been to Cambodia. Really? And I could basically... You, can, you walk there. I could basically walk <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was the plan. You'd asked me, you know, why I moved here. It wasn't to start a YouTube channel. It was just to get over here, Bangkok, as a base. One of the beauties is it's one of the best places to, to base up in Asia because you can hop everywhere For so sure. quick and cheap. So the plan was, you know, every every few months take a trip. And then obviously that got that was shut my plan down. too. And then shortly after I came here, the world shut down. That was so, it. Yeah. And I'm just about to shake the rust off that. It, coming out of COVID, it's like I just uh, forgot almost. And I got so uh, used to being in Thailand and doing domestic travel in Thailand mm. that that I haven't really kicked back that international component, but that's, that's all going to start this year. That's, a, that's one thing that I want to want to yeah. remind myself to shake off that COVID rest, go see some of these places. And we're lucky here in Thailand because, you know, we've got the mega city, Bangkok, we've got mountains, nature, we've got islands and beaches. There's so many different places and types of destinations within Thailand, all basically within an hour flight. It's almost like, well, what's the point in going, you know, somewhere else? We're spoiled here. So I I can see how you can. Super spoiled and the best kind of vibes uh, that that I can find, you know, after spending so much time here during COVID and just getting back from Canada and trip to Korea, places that I that I still love. But man, you realize how good we have it here, like just the overall vibes, the warmth of the people you know, lifestyle here is different than other places. Yeah. So you, about 30 years ago, you went over to Korea, you made your first trip to Thailand, but then you went back to Canada, right? Yeah, I was four years in Asia, kind of through my mid-20s, then went back to Canada uh, when I was in 98. So I guess I was 26 when I went back. And then you started up life there. And One interesting thing about you that I didn't know until I met you quickly a few weeks ago is you had uh, like a film production business in North America. So tell me about that, because I think if people have seen your channel and then you explain this a lot, things make a lot more sense because your your production skills, I feel like, are so far above a lot of other people doing YouTube. Mm -hmm. And now I know why. So tell me about your business there. Yeah, so I went back in 98 and just kind of bummed around for a couple of years. I called it an, an early retirement. 
took two years and traveled across Canada, living in, you know, anywhere from a VW bus to a hippie commune in the, in the forest. And then after two years, the money ran out and it was time to kind of decide what to do. So I'm 28 years old and thought, and I was documenting, I was making videos similar to my YouTube videos. Really? That, that what are you I'm, shooting on? That was like a mini DV camera. Okay. I think the TRV 900 Sony. I bought it from. Uh, those a, the, is it a disc or a tape? No, a tape. Oh, okay. Mini DV tape. And uh, I bought it from a black market in uh, Japan back in like 97 or 98 and just started making videos. And editing was like VHS to VHS, play, pause, play, pause. And, and made, I got tons of videos from the late 90s, but there was nowhere to, to play them. Right. You know, there was no YouTube. I doubt, right. I doubt there was even Google, but I was making videos just to make them and so loved it. So I thought time to choose a career and industry and uh, see what happens. And I picked the film industry like everyone went into it thinking I'm going to be a director. You know, the amount of people you see on film sets serving coffees who are going to be a director. It's it's everybody. And I was one of them and got a job just uh, as a PA getting coffees. How do you like your latte, sir? You know, yeah. started there and then and then just started to see the natural progression of how you could advance realistically and so chose to do that. And then, um, you know, in the early 2000s, me and a couple friends started uh, a business where we supplied some equipment and services for for film sets. And then that just that just started to grow from there. And then, I mean, the big moment was when film 35 millimeter film went to digital when the digital cameras came out first one being the red camera you know now all all, all camera companies the high-end ones, cinema camera companies start started making digital back then it was the red camera and that changed everything you know and i just happened to be geeking out over all that stuff at the time and i fashioned a solution for the workflow um that that what I found out later was quite rare. There was me in Toronto and one guy in LA and that was kind of it. And so the studios swung their doors open and said, well, how do you do this? You know, the big film processing companies wanted nothing to do with it because it was going to cannibalize. Their yeah. Businesses. Cause they're in denial. <laughs> they're in total denial and it would have, and, and it would, they would have had to cannibalize themselves kind of like Nokia. Right. You know, when the when the iPhones came out, they could have been they, they sold more phones than anyone in the world. They could have if they if they launched the first Android phone, they would have been Samsung. But but they were they're scared of that. Right. Big companies think differently. They get scared of stuff. And so that was just a huge opportunity. So so we started and grown and opened offices in Vancouver, Atlanta, L.A., New York, New Mexico. And next thing you know, we started with five staff, ended up with like 550. Wow. Yeah, it was nuts. That's crazy. Yeah. And so that's what you were doing the entire time before you made the move to Thailand. Yep. Did that for 20 years. Wow. 10 years, I was going out on sets myself, just me in a van and a bunch of gears, an on-set editor. Was your gear used for any anything we would know? Oh, yeah, we did. I mean, tons of, uh, mo like, we were big in TV. We did a bunch of movies too, but you know, and we expanded to supply cameras, lights. We had a full service yeah. shop. So we did, so we were a supplier. So I'm not on, on the non-sexy side of the business, like not the creative side. 
we supplied all the gear and post-production services. So we supplied all the cameras for Stranger Things, did all the final color correction for Game of Thrones. Oh, that little show, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a huge moment for us. We, we wanted to get into final color grading, and, and we landed Game of Thrones. That was a big deal. Um, tons of stuff, like The Watchmen, um, Deadpool. Like, there's, the, like everything that you see on on netflix like yeah. we were doing a lot of it so our our backgrounds are somewhat similar because before before i moved here but even now uh i have a business in the u.s and we do like concert and nightlife production and i think a lot of uh a lot of people think these movies and stuff they don't really understand how it works beyond the scenes they might think that you they buy the cameras they buy all the equipment but it's not like that because this gear is so expensive i mean how much is a is a single camera and lens combination well it, it varies a lot you know the camera body just the body would be 100 grand for yeah. uh, for an Arri alexa which is what everyone would be using uh, when i left the industry you know sony's come on in the recent years but a full package like there's so much more to it right, than just right. the camera a, a full camera package we generally rent out for twenty five grand a week. Yeah, twenty five thousand a week, and so, then and that's the rental. Yeah, sure. A, a lighting, I mean, that's nothing compared to the lights. Sure. Like lighting for a movie, you could rent it. You could do. You could do one point five two million bucks. Oh my God. In rental. Yeah. So, uh, so we do like concerts and nightlife stuff. So not at that level, but if we do a show or a tour or something, we're renting lighting stuff, special effects stuff, sound stuff. Same thing. You know, we're not buying it all and then housing it we're renting it by the day or by the week or sometimes by the month so and what do you what do you do with the shows uh we we produce mostly edm shows okay. um and we we actually do a lot for universities so universities will have like a big spring concert or something and they'll buy our show and then we'll produce the whole thing from start to finish like they'll give us a field and then it looks like, you know. Oh, wow. So you festival. set up the whole thing festival well, style. I'm not. I mean, actually, sometimes I'm up there cranking yeah. the wrench. But, um, you know, we subcontract some things. We do some things in-house. We have our own, like, performers and everything. And then is there a promoter that brings the talent? Or are well, you guys doing well, that Well, for too? universities, it's kind of built in because the students just show up because it's on their campus. Um, we do do public shows and those we sell tickets. So we're kind of like a full 360. But you're booking the DJs? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So you're the promoter too. Right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was cool because some of those things are similar. And yeah. that's the way I got into the video thing is because, you know, it's it's not always easy to get good uh, good coverage. So I learned more and more and more about photo and video. And then eventually I could do it myself. So, uh, yeah, like during my two years in between Korea and starting the film business, I did uh, rave visuals in Toronto in the, in the rave heydays back when they were cranking out like 17,000 person yeah. raves. Um, yeah, we do visuals for like Paul Oak and Full Fat Boy, like all the big ones. Oh, cool. And, uh, and that, and that taught me a lot. Like it just taught me, and that was a small part, like the people that were doing what you were doing, they were my buddies and they had crazy shit going on. Our part was to just, you know, make the visuals go up on all the screens and stuff. But it taught me a lot about video making as well. And just, just kind of breaking rules and just being creative because the, the film business regimented lots of rules, the rave visuals. It's like, you know, all bets are off. Let's just make cool looking yeah. shit that's experimental. And so that those things have stuck with me. Cool. I think that's the greatest thing about uh, doing 
creative things like this, whether it's renting gear for TV shows or working on concerts or doing YouTube, you get to meet so many interesting people. You know, I think if I just worked in an office somewhere in a cubicle eight hours a day, not saying there's anything wrong with that, but th this is definitely something I like is the, the meeting different people things. So, uh, and Bangkok's a great, a great place for that. So yeah, the only reason I survived North America, I would say is because I avoided the cubicle in the office right up until the last three years. Uh, which is when I started hating it, which is why I left and came back to live in Asia. But the, but the, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying, man. It's the only way I got through 20 years there because the film business is its own little subcontinent of fun people doing fun things, you know, lots of good times to be had there. But if I was stuck in a typical corporate office environment, man, I, I wouldn't have lasted. Around 2019 now? is when you made the choice to come over here? Yep, summer 2019. So before COVID, but what was the catalyst for you saying, you know what, I wanna move across the world? I would always thought there would be a day when I would move here. Never thought I'd do it until our daughter, at the, by that point, until our daughter finished high school. 2019, she had just finished 10th grade. So she's literally halfway through high school, 15 years old. The last time that most people would decide to kind of pick up a move across the world. But as I was saying at the time, my job, the, the fun had gone from it. It became corporate to grow that much. We had to bring in a lot of finance people. And now there's a bunch of people making you look at spreadsheets all day instead of talking to, you know, cinematographers and 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 just uh, being part of making shows. It was more managing budgets and stuff. So. I had had enough and uh, my wife and I chatted and it was like, you know what? The more we talked about it, we thought it, it'll probably be good for our daughter to get out of LA, finish high school in Bangkok and uh, get a little taste of uh, a different part of the world. So we just said, screw it, let's do it right now. Yeah, I know so many people probably thought you were crazy at the time, but I so agree with that mindset because a lot of people I talk to, especially back in the U.S., they have this mentality of like, oh, sometime in the future or when I retire, some, you know, but you don't know how many years you have left. And, you, you know, I think a lot of people get to old age and they regret not taking that chance or making that trip or making the move sooner. So good for you for not only making the jump, but also being, you know what, I think this is going to be good for my daughter, too, because that's definitely not e not an easy decision. No, it wasn't an easy decision. She hated our guts when it was all going down. But she would be the first to tell you, because she told us a year later, I'm so glad you guys made me move here, because it's, it's now a part of her that she, that she loves. And yeah, man, like you only live once. It's cliche to say, but it's true. And uh, you could next year yourself to the point where you suddenly wake up 70 years old and 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 you haven't lived any of your dreams it's like man you you got one life like got what did enjoy. your wife think about this whole situation she's korean <clears throat> so you know coming back to asia was nothing new for her she was super supportive i almost broke down like when our daughter started freaking out i was like the soft one i'm like oh we're ruining her life you know like let's just stay i'll just we'll just stay and she's like what are you talking about she's 15 She's not making the decisions around here. We already agreed it'd be good for her. So she kind of, uh, you know, 
was amazing and, and pushed it across the finish line, I would say. Yeah. Was it hard to get, cause it's one thing coming here as like a single person, but to bring a family is, was it hard to get adjusted at first or how was that? Um, we'd been coming every year for, for, you know, 25 years. Our daughter had been here eight times, nine times. Okay. Um, so it was still a bit of an adjustment because we lived in Bangkok only for school reasons. We'd always just gone down to Koh Samui. That's where our friends are. That's that's where our Thailand life kind of was. And so Bangkok was in a bit of an adjustment. But, um, you know, we'd always lived in big cities. We were excited about it. Uh, the school was an adjustment for our daughter, for sure, because it was a completely different school system. Um, but my wife and I, like, we were retired at the time. You know, I wasn't doing YouTube. So, so we didn't have much stress. And so it was pretty, it wasn't too bad for us. Okay, sure. Yeah, I guess if you don't have to worry about work so much and you, you've been here a bunch, then it takes a lot of that, uh, a lot of that edge off. So, yeah, I would imagine there's lots of people out there. Like, if you haven't been to Asia or spent much time in Asia, the, the adjustment would be pretty you big. You should have seen me on the first day here. I mean, I, I was like trying to get a BTS card. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I can't read these signs. And I mean, luckily, you know, Thai people are very, are very nice. They're very warm and willing to help you. So, you yeah. know, that was good, but. That was me when I moved to Korea. So I'd gone through that, like moving to Asia. Oh my God, what the hell? How do I get anywhere? How do I do the, I, I don't speak their language. How does this all work? I went through all that when I moved to Korea. So I'd been through that. And uh, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a shock to the system. For me, reverse culture shock when I moved back from Asia was the worst that I've ever experienced. Oh yeah. Because you mean the first time, the when, first time. And if I ever had to move back again, it would be yeah. shocking. Well, I feel like in the years. last five, 10 years, uh, I don't know about Canada, but the U S has changed so much, you know, have you've, you just went back to Canada, right? This past yeah. week. Yeah. I just got back. Yeah. So, I mean, what's that like is, do you feel still feel Canadian or do you kind of lose a little bit of that? I, I've always felt more myself in Asia, in Thailand, number one, Korea, number two. Uh, I just feel more comfortable here to just completely be myself. You know, in Canada, I, and I love my country, you know, and I loved my time in L.A. Those were great chapters in life. I couldn't live there anymore after kind of getting back into Asian life and, and Thai life in particular, yeah, I would find it impossible. You know, it's, it's definitely expensive. That's shocking. That just is what it is. Um, you know, the, the Thai people spoil us, man, like people back there, it's, it's, it's a little bit colder, I guess you could say, you know, and it's just not as free. There's, I find that it's become pretty very judgmental. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, but it's hard to explain for people if they've never been here or if they're not from, you know, like the U.S. or I mean, even within the U.S., it's kind of a huge country and there's different cultures and mindsets. But I know for, from where I am in Boston, it's exactly what you just described. People are very cold. People's mentality on life is very different. 
And uh, the people here, it's just like the culture is so different. It's hard to put into words. Yeah, now they're all polarized and, you know, the whole social media thing hasn't helped. Everyone's kind of trying to take a stand and, and, and judge each other. And over here, like, as you know, living here, Thailand attracts a weird, wild cast of characters who live here talking about the expats now. But no one's really out to judge everyone else. I got a crazy group of friends and uh, they're all crazy in their own right. And back home, man, like that would be a weird dynamic of people, you know, judging what they're doing with their life or how they live their life. And over here, I just find like you can believe what you want. Like it's freedom. It's freedom. You believe what you want. You do what you want and you're going to get accepted by the group at large. I think part of it is if you're crazy enough to travel across the world, whether just for a week or a month or to live permanently, you automatically have something in common with the other people that are here. That's what I noticed when I came here because I'm a pretty introverted person and you know I kind of just do my own thing. But when I came here, I found it so easy to connect with other people. And I think for one, it's because we have we're starting from the same place with that mindset. So I, I I totally get what you're saying. Is you know, especially you've had so many experiences in your life. I'm still young, but I know you've already lived in Korea. You've had this whole life. Um, That's his way of saying I'm old. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> hey, in a good way. The shoe you've fits, had, man. You've had a lot of experiences. Do you do you meet a lot of people that are in a similar situation to you? Like they're a bit up in years and they decided to make the move over here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of people, especially kind of since starting the YouTube channel, you know, and more, it seems to be more and more. Like, and I think it will be more and more. I think there's people back home that are, I, 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 you know, the word trapped is pretty negative, but I think there's a lot of people back home that might feel trapped where they, where they now have access to see. They have this window. You're talking about, it, like, reading The Lonely Planet's one thing, having a window Right. TV set where you can actually see people live in this this alternate life that's and if you don't fit into that North American Western mindset, which I think there's a lot of people that aren't, you know, super right, super left, super, you know, uh, just content with how everything is back there. But they don't have the experience of knowing how to do it, when to do it, what's it really like over there. Is it as good as those videos make it look? You know, I think it's just going to grow and grow over time of people who pull the plug and decide to come here. Yeah. Did you come across people that sort of judged you for moving to Thailand? Because I asked because, you know, Thailand and Bangkok specifically can sometimes or it used to more have a reputation for certain things or in negative things. Did you get a lot of, you know, pushback? Like you're going there to, to hang out with a bunch of Thai hookers? Basically, yeah. No, not really. Cause I, I probably would have if I was younger and single. But I've been married forever, man. I got a daughter. And so, you know, there wasn't much of that. There, I, I didn't encounter much of that because of the stage in life I'm at. Um, like I say, I'm sure I would have if I was if I was younger, because uh, that's definitely like it is part of Thai life. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's what I get. You know, it's usually in this order. I get if I tell someone I moved here or I came here, I get some joke about a lady boy that I've, yeah. I've heard before. Then I get uh, some comment about, 
you know, like ladies of the night. And then, you know, there's just a whole list of, of things like that. And I think people that have been here, people that live here, people that venture outside of kind of the tourist zones realize that that's, you know, that stuff exists, but it's a small aspect of what this country is. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. But I get it because I was one of those people. So I, you know, it makes me laugh now only because I've actually, you know, opened my mind and understand just by moving here. But when I used to come every year, I'd just stop in, in uh, Bangkok at the airport. Only, I think, twice in the, in the 20 years of coming here did I ever get out and spend a night or two in Bangkok. So where'd I go? Khao San Road. Where'd I go? Pat Pong. Soy Cowboy. And so when we were planning to move here, we hadn't been to Bangkok in 10 years. My wife and I are like, we, we're moving to Bangkok. Like, we can't raise our daughter in that environment. Are we crazy? We're thinking the whole city's a giant Khao San Road. And this is re like recently, man, I'd, and I was a seasoned traveler. So for people that aren't, I get that that's your perception, but it doesn't take long to realize that's just the craziest thought ever. Soy cowboy is 200 meters long, maybe. And that's it in a city of 12 million, you know, it's, 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 uh, there's plenty more to this city. There's so many layers into this city, but, uh, I can see how people think that it's, it is funny though. Yeah. I, my parents, I convinced them to finally visit me here this past year. And uh, before they came here, I mean, they have no idea. I mean, they just watched like The Hangover and they imagine there's elephants running through the street and a tiger is going to jump out of the bathroom. <laughs> like they really have no idea. Um, I think they were very surprised when they came here. I think uh, my father, maybe more than my mother, was more open to it now, you know, but uh, it is still very different. And I still like some of that grittiness. Like if you go down to, I don't know, certain places, you, you know, it's not the same as necessarily like Canada or America, but it, it's definitely not a bad place to live. I think it's much safer here. And I, I personally think the quality of life here is so much better than, I don't know about where you're from, but where I'm from, so much happier on a day-to-day -day basis here. Oh, dude, I, I guess it's, for me, it's, it's not even a comparison. You know, I, I couldn't even, couldn't even fathom the difference in my happiness level here compared to, uh, compared to back home. So you must get a lot of people that are interested in moving over here long-term, right? What advice would you have for them? Like what kinds of things come up like very often? You know, if someone said to you, I'm thinking about moving to Thailand or to Bangkok, what do you think I should do? What are the first steps? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've, I've, and I decided this year, I've kind of changed things up a little. I started a second YouTube channel, just all about relocation to Thailand. So I find myself thinking about What's these things, just RW4U, RW4U. Okay, cool. And I'm, I'm going to link all this stuff down below. So, and it's just talking about, uh, things about moving to Thailand. I, I would say the first thing, it would depend who they are. So, so if there's someone who has, uh, been here for, you know, someone like me who's maybe been here on several vacations, but maybe always went to, goes to the same place. And maybe you're here for two weeks at a time. I would say, come over and do an exploration trip where you go to some of the different places, do a bit of research, hone in on what sort of vibes and place you're looking for, you know, mountains, city, beaches. I guess I'd start there. 
And if you're like, I don't, I can't even choose between those. I, I kind of love mountains. I like cities and I like beaches. And, and even within those, there's so many like, because like, let's talk about beaches. You've got Phuket, you've got Samui, you've got like Gochang. And those three are very different. Very so, different. So that's where I'd say come on an exploration trip. And if you're thinking of moving here, I guess now you got, if you're, if you're thinking of moving here, with a, a completely blank slate open book and you you have some time and the ability to move wherever you want like you're not moving for a job or for a school or for something like this i'd say come for at least a month uh more if you can a couple of months and go spend a week in in your top five kind of places that you think you might want to live and see what it's like you know um, and then, and then whittle it down from there. You know, if yeah. it's, uh, if it's beaches you're looking for, yeah, spend some time in Phuket, then Samui, very different. Go up to Koh Chang, you know, like you're saying, maybe even Koh Phangan, Yan, but, but spend some time, explore. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure you get messages like this, but sometimes I get a message that's like, Hey, Eric, I uh, just had a question about this. I plan on uh, moving to Thailand this year. I'm going to be living in Pattaya and I'm going to do this, this and this. And they have all this stuff planned out. And then I asked them, have you been to Thailand before? No, but I've been watching a lot of videos online. I'm like, well, maybe you should come here and check out Pattaya, check out these other places before you decide to, you know, change your whole life to, to move over here. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which is great advice. Cause you know, it's, and, and for me, it's, it's similar. I've been through this myself, like Kosamui. I just came to the same place time and again, and I'm actually moving there this year. I still love it. But what I realized when I came to Bangkok, which I always skipped is I fucking love Bangkok. And then I go up to Chiang Mai. I'm like, this is an amazing place on so many levels. And I could see myself, if I didn't have such deep kind of roots with friends and stuff in Samui, I could have seen living in either Bangkok or Chiang Mai would be the other two places for me, you know? Okay. Yeah. So that's good advice for people thinking about moving here. Now, I have a friend who's visiting Thailand for the first time next month. He's coming for like two to three weeks. So let's say someone's seen your videos or they have an interest in visiting Thailand, but they've never been. They're just coming for a holiday for a few weeks. Can you give like three destinations that they should check out on their first trip? Three destinations. Um, when, when are they coming? Uh, he's coming February. February. Yeah, that's like, because the reason I asked that, Chiang Mai is so season dependent. February is like great touch and go. Burning season's going to start sometime late February. But Chiang Mai, I, I think, is worth a visit. Um, you know, Bangkok's worth, worth a visit for sure. There's some fun times here. I personally love Samui, but I would also... Uh, I, I love places like Raleigh Beach. You know, I love that place. I call it the cottage. We, you know, we have cottage country in Canada. For me, Raleigh Beach is cottage country in uh, in Thailand. Old school Thai vibes completely. Yeah, you that's know? actually where I brought my parents. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, nice. It, it was a little rough because you know you have to get in a boat to get there. Mm -hmm. You can't. I mean, it's one of the most beautiful beaches probably in the world. Forget Thailand, and uh, but to get there you can't just walk. You have to get into a boat and we had to get one of those, you know, the long tail boats. And yeah. I forget, you know, I'm here and I'm used to it, but my 60 year old parents, 
this is so, you know, weird for them. Oh yeah. I took my last year, I took my 80 year old parents there and they were, they were uh, same deal. They're like, we got to get on that boat. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Let me help you up, mom. (laughs) But they loved it. I took them to noon's bar They're They just, it was an experience for them. And then if he's into like getting somewhere a little deeper into nature, like and down towards Raleigh, Kalsok National Park is is uh, epic place. Oh, I haven't right? made it there yet. Yeah, epic because place. it's pretty seasonal because it's a it's a rainforest, right? Well, yeah, I wouldn't say it's seasonal. I've been there in all in all seasons. Uh, it hot. It can get hot during hot season, but yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Okay, how many people do you think have moved to Thailand specifically because of you? You ever think about that? Uh, some yeah I do because it's one of my favorite things that has resulted in doing this. Everything's been a surprise, you know. You start putting videos on YouTube, you don't know that anyone's gonna watch, and when people start watching, that's a surprise. When people start coming up to you and saying, "I moved here because of your videos," that's a surprise, and that's happened like like a fair amount. So how many? I don't know. If I was guessing, at least a couple hundred. Wow. You know, I was That's walking cool. in front of my favorite bar in um, Koh Samui uh, uh, about a year and a half ago. I get down there. There's a guy pay- walking on the beachfront right along the, the shore in front of the bar called Lost Bar. Shout out Simon. And um, this guy looks over and he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're here. I'm like, why? He's like, my name's Sean. I just sold everything and moved here and I came to this beach and this bar because I saw it in your videos and I thought I, I, I thought this would be the best neighborhood and I'm like, whoa, that was one of the first times that someone had done, we ended up partying all night, you know, hanging out till 3 a.m., uh, just laughing our asses off. And since then there's been a few people say that, which is amazing, you know, oh. if, I, if I can, and, and at first I was nervous, I was always nervous because I'm like, oh shit, did I ruin their life or did I, you know? <laughs> you know he says, and I so moved I, here because of you and I regret it. I'm going back home. Yeah, well, they know, they always say I moved here because of you. And I'm like, oh shit. And then I'd always ask like, well, are you happy? <laughs> oh yeah, like it's the best thing I've ever done. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. Like this is good. Yeah. So you, but you came in 2019 before COVID. You're here for a few months and this COVID thing starts and you initially started posting videos as like a tribute to COVID deaths. In yeah, it was Canada. called the COVID. So it had nothing to do with Thailand. Uh, it, no, it was just me in Thailand doing yeah. push-ups. Yeah. So what? What? Where was the switch? The switch was a couple months in. Got, got had started having fun making those videos and rediscovered the the joy of making silly videos like I used to in the late nineties. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, I do love this. And so. Right as the first lockdown was was about to end, we were going to go back up to Bangkok so our daughter could start going back into school. And uh, I thought, this is it. This is this is kind of the moment. So on that ferry, I shot two videos, one doing push-ups and then my first ever Thai vlog. What was the first one about? Um, the trip from Samui to Bangkok. That was it. You know, tame on yeah. this ferry. Here it wasn't I am. some like genius idea. It was just, oh, no, yeah. God, no. Okay. No, no well, genius idea. Do you remember idea. what month that was? That was probably May 2020. Okay, because I know for a fact I started watching in June. Yeah, so you're like yeah. right there, right at the very okay. beginning. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a wild time. And I mean, it's interesting to think about if 
one thing here or there didn't happen, like your whole life can be different. Like if COVID didn't happen, maybe you just enjoy your time here and you go off into the sunset and nobody ever knows about you. Yeah. But if that happened, all these people wouldn't be moving here because they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have had that connection. So they wouldn't be inspired. That That's really interesting. Well, that's the cool thing about life, man. You know, it's, uh, and everyone has, has that, that same uh, thing going on. All the decisions you make impact you and then them and then other people. And yeah, that's the cool thing about life. Yeah. And even though, because uh, I thought this was interesting, even though, you know, you built up this huge channel in the beginning or for a while, what camera were you using? I got that question a lot and I liked it because it meant it must yeah. be good enough. It was the iPhone 11. Yeah, just a... An iPhone, like, you know, worse than this one. This is a 12. An 11. So, yeah. And then the, the the mic I used was the real difference maker. It was the iPhone 11. The iPhone uh, built-in mic. I just held <laughs> okay. up. Oh, the only Shout piece of Apple. gear I had was these little handheld <laughs> tripod for like 40 bucks. And for the first at least year and a half, that's all I did. Yeah. Yeah. I think that just goes to show that it's not about like gear. It's not even about the technical you know, how good the picture is. It's more about the community and the message. And I think that's what was so different about you. Your message was so positive and you built this community from day one. You know, you weren't out there trying to uh, flex that you're in a pool, you know, with a floating breakfast. You really just wanted to share your love of uh, of Thailand. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. It was right, and it was at that time, I call them the Instagrammy style travel videos where it's like that poppy music. Do -do 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 yeah. And then, and like close up of your running behind in slow motion and i'm like that's like the, I, I i first of all i couldn't make that look at me but secondly i wouldn't want to make that and i don't really want to watch it there was a time where it's cool it looks amazing production value awesome cinematography amazing color and shots and i thought um i just wanted to be more about sharing the experience of thailand you know if i could if i could try and give people the feeling that they're just hanging out and going on a little Thai adventure with me, that to me was what it was all about. Yeah. Do you ever have to deal with uh, negative comments or, you know, people that see you in real life, but I don't know, it's like not a good interaction? Um, negative comments all the time. Yeah, they come flying in and they used to really bug me. And then about, I guess, about a year or year and a half ago, uh, I... I was able to change my mindset for the most part. Weird thing about being human, man. You can get 999 positive comments, but I just want to yeah, read that. It's why why like is a, that asshole saying that? It's kind of like a blessing and a curse because you get to reach so many people and have a positive impact, but also you've got to be one of the most recognized foreigners in this country. Yeah. It's like you and Chad. It's yeah, like you yeah, guys are the yeah. two most recognizable. I mean, Chad, because he's like seven feet tall, but you know, also you, you have a very specific look and a specific energy. So, I mean, how often do you get recognized? Is it like every five minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. Every, like every, yeah, I would say every five minutes. Yeah. And it, it's tough because I know you don't want, you're a very nice, polite person. You don't want to be rude, but sometimes you know, maybe it's not a good time. Right. So how do you handle that? It's hard, man. Like it, cause you don't want, like you, like you want to, to, to give as much time as you can. The only time that it really can bother me is if I'm kind of on my way to either meet someone who I don't want to be late for, 
or to get a shot, you know, I'm going to get a shot at sunset and I timed it out because I know it's going to take me a half hour to get where I want to get that last shot. And then I start walking there and then it's like, I got to, I got to go. So you're caught in this weird uh, zone. Most people are super cool. Quick hello. Um, you know, and very supportive. I've never, for all the thousands of negative comments, there's been a grand total of zero negative comments really? in person. That goes to show though, right? The nature of the beast, you know, and negative comments. I, I don't consider criticism a negative comment. If it's normal, constructive criticism, that's great. You know, negative comments that are just, you know, the, the, the world of the internet trolls, they don't, they don't crawl out of their, their basements, man. Like they're just stuck living some weird life They They move on from me being, they're angry at me. And then they're angry at another thing on the internet. And then they tweet some angry shit. It's like, you know, just live that way. But none of them do it in person. Zero. Well, that, grand that's, total that's is really zero. Cool. I mean, even me, sometimes I get now it's a little bit more, but people will recognize me in person. Yeah. Sometimes they say something. Sometimes they don't say anything, but then they go on and they leave a comment. Oh, I saw you here. Oh, I saw you. <laughs> Did oh, that yeah, you? The, oh, yeah, that's happened. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's... Yeah. Are they following Be me? Because do you ever want, worry that, uh, you know, not that you're doing anything bad, but if you're out with your friends, you're having a beer somewhere, I mean, anybody could be listening to you, could recognize you, could... Yeah, dude. I'm uh, like, what the hell have I done? Why am I, why, why am I doing this to myself, man? Like, um, you know, you go out, sometimes you just want to let loose, have some fun. Right. And, uh, you know, and just not worry that, uh, that, that, uh, people are watching or listening or something, but whatever, you know, my life's pretty, pretty much an open book. So it, it is what it is, but it's a weird dynamic for sure. Yeah, it's, I guess it's just part of the gig, right? Yeah. Um, now, besides the channel, which at this point in time has over 400,000 subscribers, if you haven't seen it, I mean, I don't know how you haven't seen this guy if you've watched anything about Thailand, because I'm pretty sure if you just type in like any word plus Thailand into YouTube, you're one of the first things that come up because you've done so many different videos on so many different topics from condo tours to food to, you know, just uh, cost of living, like all, all different kinds of things. Um, but one of the things that I really liked was your pay it forward series. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. I mean, it started, um, the first time I got a YouTube, uh, ad sense paycheck. Uh, I'm like, well, oh, this is wild. I, I, I started this, um, kind of for fun. And so I took it down. This was during COVID and I'm like, I'm going to just take this and give it to my buddy noon at the rally. Uh, coffee shop that I like to hang out at he's hurting and and so did that and then it started getting me thinking you know like this is a country that gives me uh gives me a, a an absolutely joyous life you know like I gotta pinch myself sometimes my friends and I chat it's like do you ever when you're laying down to bed at night think like this is too good to be true life's too good here you know, and feel guilty almost. And we're like, yeah, like, that's how we feel. That's how I feel about it. And so just thought to try and work it in as a natural and ongoing part of the, the, the effort to find opportunities to give back to Thai, Thailand in various ways. So it's awesome that, that, that I can yeah. do that, that we can do that. It's not, it wouldn't happen. It's not me. 
it's all the people who watch and this all that stuff like it's, that's that's why it happens i recently saw your video uh it was in northern thailand and you were talking to a girl and she was eligible for like a scholarship and yeah uh, can you say a little bit about that? Because that was a. If you're gonna watch one video from Chris, I highly recommend that one. Yeah. So it's like kind of the kind of video where you you're in tears watching it. You know, sitting alone in your in your living room. Yeah, that was an incredible experience. Sia is her name, um, Anantaya, and um, she grown up in the Northern Thai farming community. I've spent some time up there in the last year and a half with my buddy Michael at I Care. This guy dedicates every day. I just kind of dip in and dip out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's tough living. And there's like a million plus uh, kids that live in this never ending cycle of, of growing up in the remote, the remote farming communities, the hill tribes and stuff where, you know, five bucks a day is a family's kind of wage. The, the kids generally don't even go to school. The parents see no use in it and they need help on the farm. And so this girl kind of wanted to, uh, to break free of this crazy cycle. And, and that's, that's just a miraculous thought to have when you're out near the border of Myanmar growing up your whole life and you think, I think I can get out of this. Well, how do you do it? You get sent to an orphanage to go to school north of Bangkok. She does that, gets great marks. Well, now she's graduating high school. I'd love to go to university. They'll have me. They'd love to have me. Well, your parents aren't paying on their five bucks a month. So this uh, organization, I Care, tries to rally together as many scholarships as they can for kids like her. And uh, she was uh, one that was kind of right on the edge this year. And so we just decided to use uh, some of the YouTube money and sponsor, give her a full four-year scholarship. Met her a couple months ago. She had her nursing uniform on. And the beauty is she's like, uh, what are you going to do when you graduate? Oh, I'm going to work in Bangkok and I'm going to make money. This isn't how they think. Every single one of these remote hill tribe people that I've seen break free of this, 100% of them have said, I'm learning nursing so I can come back to my home community, my village, and try and help improve life here. Another will say, I'm, I'm going to be a teacher, and he goes back. He could teach here and, and make all kinds of money, build this. You know, he's back in the remote areas trying to trying to pull his, his whole community forward with him. So... It was a treat to be be able to uh, to yeah, it's amazing. Do that. I love direct action like that because it's one thing to donate to just an organization. I think a lot of people think they can't make a difference, and not to be you know sound cheesy or anything, but you don't have to have a lot of money necessarily or have a YouTube channel with hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Like, if you want to, you can. There there are opportunity opportunities out there to directly affect other people's lives. So uh, that's great. And I, what's even better is I bet by doing that or by doing this series, you've inspired other people to go out and, and help, you know, people that need it. Yeah, which is amazing. I mean, this Michael, my buddy, called me a few weeks later. He goes, I'm doing a happy dance. One of your viewers who watched that video found us and said they, they wanted to give a full scholarship to another kid. That 460,000 bought. Uh, that a viewer and and they did it anonymously. Like wow. talk about amazing people yeah. out there. 
So yeah, yeah, it's 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 awesome. It's win-win, man. Like that's like life should be win-win as much as it can be in business, in personal stuff. Uh, you know, this whole you nothing's different. Win-win can exist. Half the world doesn't believe that. They think someone's there's got to be a winner and a loser. That's the Western mentality, I think. Yeah, and not only the Western mentality, man. Like I would imagine there's a lot of people everywhere that feel that, you know, it's especially in business and it's just weird to me sure like sure. everybody wins we all win everyone's happier man yeah i was looking at your channel today and i noticed that you've got a lot going on besides the actual channel you have an app you have uh, a website where it has uh, i think like travel tours you have something going on with uh, like finding condos in bangkok so tell me about all that other stuff like what tell me what is that about? Who is it for? Yeah, so um, that was all born from my nephew moving over here. Uh, he got excited, called me. We're super tight. He said, Uncle Chris, your YouTube channel's taken off. You could start businesses. I said, you come and do it, man. And so he did. So I blame him. He started, uh, he's been working hard for three years. Both of us have done it all together. I love my, I've learned about myself that I, I love just starting up little businesses and I don't like running, you know, or existing kind of in businesses. So the whole premise of all of it, the mission is help people move, live, retire or travel in Thailand. If, if we can create a tool or a service to help people in a sea or in a country of uh, where you you might not be from here where you're probably not from here you real estate who do you trust all we can promise is you can trust us are we the best i can't promise that i can promise we'll try hard and you can trust us great says a lot of people so we have a network of agents that will help people find condos or or uh, houses on samui or whatever they're looking for you know the app you want to travel here and you want to kind of break free. My big breakthrough was was when someone started taking me to some local restaurants. I'd been coming here for years and it changed the game and my whole perception of Thailand. Yeah, so, I was checking out the app and um, when I when I first downloaded it, I wasn't exactly sure like what it was about. But as soon as I opened it, I totally got it because basically it's like your own google maps with all of your favorite places yeah it's like if your friend told you oh you're visiting oh check out this place check out that place if you want to get oh i saw a nearby here i'm, I'm gonna put some screenshots for the app here but um there was a restaurant near here and it's like good for cow soy noodles i'm like mm -hmm. oh i love cow soy Home to one. so now guess what place rocks. i'm gonna go there yeah so it's amazing if you're coming to thailand even if you live here and you just want some recommendations you want to try some new things because sometimes people like me we get stuck in the same places it's a great app it's called teeny yeah teeny means here in right, thai right but it, yeah and it's meant to not be google maps google maps is great it has everything people click oh that place has three thousand reviews let's all go to the same place right this is just it's meant like personal to, recommendations yeah it's yeah yeah personal recommendations or for areas that i don't know expats who've been living there for 10 years my buddies so it's almost like when you come here i used to love coming here and I had friends who had been living here for years. And when they're like, oh, I got a place, let's go. I got a place to take you. 
when an expat who lives in a country that you visit takes you around, it's like it, it changes everything. And so that's what that's meant to be. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I noticed you also have uh, some sort of like travel tour or some program yeah, like that. Yeah, a great couple of Australian guys who run a big tour company in Australia reached out to me and said, we love your channel, mate. I can't do Australian accents. We love your channel, and um, uh, we want to design a tour around some of your favorite spots, a few tours. Um, would you want to partner with us on that? And so we met. It's like they're great guys, and so we've uh, that's been going for uh, close to a year now. And so far, I think 25% of the tours people, customers who've come over on these tours have moved here. Wow. It's crazy. And most of them are here for the first time. Most of them are, are like we talked about earlier. They've never been here. Like it's uh, the tour. I get it. You're not going to book a group tour if you know what you're doing in Thailand. But the people that come, these are people who've never been to Asia. They're like, this just takes all the thinking about it. And what I realized is they're coming to scout it out. You know, so and we didn't expect that, but that's what's happened. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Is there something else you might be working on you can talk about or can you not talk about it yet? Yeah, I mean, uh, I can. I don't know exactly when this is going to be on the, uh, the, the old YouTube. Uh, within a week or two. Okay, well then it's probably uh, launching this week. Yeah, it's going to be the Thai language challenge, man. Uh, I've wanted to learn Thai uh, since I moved here. I'm a lazy, terrible kind of guy with no discipline when it comes to that sort of stuff. So just created, a, we're creating an online Thai language course partnership with me and Adam and Fa. Fa's the teacher. She's best Thai teacher I've ever uh, had or seen. And so, yeah, it's going to be an online Thai language course. It starts this week. We, we're going to, uh, it's, we're limiting it to 50 people. There's going to be one-on-one -on -one support. People all over the world can jump in and see how much Thai we can all learn in a, like a hundred days, a, a Thai language challenge. Well, I think a lot of people that either visit here or want to move here, they want to learn Thai at least a little bit, but they don't know where to start. They don't know where to go. Maybe the things that they've seen before they weren't really into. So to have another option out there, that's kind of got like your twist on it. I think that's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be good. Like right in a, it's like a virtual classroom. Cause a lot of the online courses or podcasts, I've tried them. They didn't really work for me. To me, the only thing that worked was going to a class. And I'd recommend that more than anything. If you can sign up to a local Thai language school, that's better. What we're trying to do is kind of create a virtual classroom and we're going to shoot it in a classroom and, and give people a virtual seat in that classroom. And I think that'll be good. And yeah, even if you just want survival Thai, come and flash some around survival on your next Thai. trip. Yeah. Okay. Thailanguagechallenge.com. Shameless plug. Okay, cool. Yeah. Next podcast we do, it's going to be 100% in Thai. So get ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, I mean... You've been here, living here now uh, with your family for about four years-ish, right? Yeah, this will be four five years. This okay. will be five years in July. Do you see yourself being here for the rest of your life, or is there something else maybe in the future? No, I, I mean, used to think when we moved here that for some reason, don't know why now, but we always had in the back of our mind, my wife and I, like, we'll probably live there until a certain point, and then we'll go back to Canada. Um you know, that point being maybe around the age of 70. And then now that we've been here, we're like, 
and we visited back there a few times. We're like, yeah, no, like why would we go back then? The thought is we'll probably be here till the end, man. Like as a base camp, mm. I don't, you know, I won't be here twelve months of the year, probably nine months of the year. Want to do some traveling, visit Korea, visit friends and family back home, see some of these places I haven't seen. But as a permanent base camp, um, Thailand till I'm dead, man. Cool. I hope I make it that long. I hope I hope I hope I'm here as long as you are. Yeah, nice. As long as this place doesn't go changing. That's my biggest fear. Don't go changing Thailand. Yeah. Sometimes I get I literally get scared about that and anxious. What if this place changed? Yeah. Shit, that would suck. Do you have any upcoming plans for the channel? Do you working on any special videos for that? Um the the I mean, any special videos for the channel? Um, well, there is a really special one that probably came out right around the time this video came out. Um, surprise for my dad. It's a real personal video. Okay, so not, cool. not really Thailand related, completely off the wall video, but, uh, it's a surprise for my dad. He just turned 80 and, uh, that one's fun. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying that. I'm, I'm cutting that right now. And then, uh, yeah, I don't plan too far in advance, so uh, we'll see what happens. Cool. So where can people find you online? Can you just name, like... Yeah, Retired Working For You. On YouTube? Um, that's YouTube, Facebook. Um, I'm on, like, I have Instagram and, and TikTok and, and all these things. But really, for me, it's all about YouTube. Okay, and you have the second channel too, right? Second channel's just RW number four U. That's only for people who are thinking about relocating to Thailand. Super specific uh, okay. videos about that. And you've got a great website. So I want to make sure people know about that, which has info on, like, the tours, the app, has the app. Yeah, retiredworkingforyou.com. And, uh... If you're looking for a condo or something and you want some help with that, maybe yeah, check. any any of that stuff. And if you're not, then just enjoy the videos. Cool. You know. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming by. Like I said, I feel like I've gone full circle now because this started from being alone in my bedroom in Boston. Uh, you know, you were my taste of Thailand during COVID, and now here we are in the greatest city in the world. So I, I love what you're doing here, man. This is a great podcast. Thailand needed exactly what you're doing, so keep it rocking, brother. Thank you so much. Guys, if you want to see more of what's going on here in Bangkok, hit the subscribe button. Go check out Chris's channel, and we will see you in the next one.